This is CliffCentral.com. Straight out of Compton, huh? That is Fuck the Police, NWA. Wow, it's an old song, but it's still quite relevant, isn't it? I wonder whether... There's another side to this, and it's our attitude towards police. So there, there, there are a lot of very good policemen and women. Um, and, and, and do we just have an, an attitude of general negativity towards cops? Uh, you know, who's the first person you're going to call and, and need to have around you when you are in that difficult situation? You're going to call a police officer regardless Regardless of whether you are gonna, regardless of whether there's going to be, uh, whether what you think of cops and so on, in that moment, it's only the cops that you look to. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, songs like these are, uh, are one, uh, I guess, uh, protest art. It's, uh, we've seen a lot of, I mean, that song comes out of the United States, uh, where we've seen a lot of black youths, uh, get gunned down by police for, for, mm. for, for no apparent reason. Uh, seemingly so so you, you get this tension mm-hmm. within society between the police who are there to serve and protect but the police who also uh, turn on us and and ultimately um you know sometimes kill our loved ones right i mean it's such a difficult difficult space when you you need to be the security of a, a nation uh we've seen a lot of um brutality towards the the police as well you know i mean you saw an ewn just uh, just two days ago there was this uh, this video played went viral about uh, two gentlemen who were speaking afrikaans in clarkstorp <clears throat> at a police station and they uh, went to the police officer and hounded him and said you know i want you to answer me in afrikaans i want you to answer me in afrikaans and this this policeman just kind of sat there mm. and he didn't take their rubbish mm. but at the same time and these guys did sound drunk i must be honest mm. that's just me personally but uh, if they really wanted help surely you just you don't worry about language and you must speak to me in my language and you just you need help right if someone's if someone's you know, if you're under threat by any reason or stretch of the imagination, you speak whatever you can to get the police's attention, right? You yeah. don't demand to speak in a language. But I think it's, you see, that's a, that, that's a challenge. So at, in the first instance, police are human as well. So they're sitting there. You disrespect me, I'll disrespect you. But on top of that, they're trained. They're supposed to know how to deal with these situations. And they're supposed to help you in spite of yourself, right? That, that's, that's the role of police officers. They are there to uphold the law, not, not to, to base their decisions on personality, whether I like the way you spoke to me or don't like the way you spoke to me. So mm. it's really, it, that they, they have a high standard that they need to maintain, not just in terms of, uh, the law, but also in terms of just morally and being people who are able to rise above the situation and to set the standard uh, and unfortunately we tend to see those instances when they are not but I imagine that there are many many instances where they are and of course you've got the IPID which is uh, IPID. The, IPID yes uh, the independent police investigative directorate and their job is to make sure that the cops behave uh, you, you know on the on on the movies uh, and so on, they tend to be uh, that department that's investigating the the, the cop that you that that you're backing. Uh, always seen as pains in the butt for the police officers, but uh, ultimately we've got that recourse if indeed uh, we're not happy with the behaviour of 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 police officers. There is an oversight uh, investigative directorate that can investigate. So the police that police the police. 
It's it's so true. We're speaking about is are the police public enemy number one here on Cliff Central? And frankly speaking, what are your thoughts? Let us know via WeChat. You just hit up cliffcentral.com or hit us up on Twitter as well at Rory Shabalala or at Yebo underscore L E V Y. You know something that was interesting to me, Rory, was the fact that there's 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 a whole thing in this iPad. Uh, they released a report in 2015 about police torture. Mm. So you get jailed for some reason, and they torture you in jail. I mean, isn't that the scariest thing in the world? But here's the thing. You see, that's that that's where the challenge for me is, right? It's when you put yourself in 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 the shoes of whoever is in that space. You think, no, it can't be right because I'm an I'm an upstanding uh, a member of community. Uh, that would just not make sense. But if somebody walks into your house, Andrew, uh, and 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 puts a gun to your head and threatens your 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 wife and kids, uh, what what is it in your mind that you're hoping happens to him? Don't you hope that he's out there getting tortured? <laughs> It's a very good. It's a very good question. Except then the problem becomes: How do you know that he's guilty? He hasn't even stood trial. You see, so th- those are the complications. On the one hand, we want police uh, to 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 be effective and to take the full might of the law to criminals. But the problem is when they get it wrong and they turn their guns on us, we then become compromised. And so we need to have a law that uh, shows no fear, no favor, and ultimately that means that uh, we have to then. Uh, 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 have laws that that protect everyone, and that is why even those that are upstanding say, you know, fuck the police. <laughs> right, we're gonna we're gonna move on and 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 get uh, someone from the police involved now. Currently, uh, Mr. Brigadier Hangwani uh, Muluauti. Brigadier, have I said that correctly? Uh, you tried. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Your honesty you tried, is amazing. Your honesty is amazing. Give it to me again. Give it to me again. It's Hangwani Muluauti. Mola Uzi. Bafuwe. Nah. Rofua. Ah, Rofua. Oh, kakatiaona, kakatiaona. Welcome, welcome to the show, uh, uh, Brigadier. We are discussing, are the police uh, public enemy number one? Uh, what would be your answer to South Africans who increasingly, and especially having seen the likes of Marigana and so on, are starting to see the police not as uh, friends, but as enemies? Well, look, if we were to take it from the premise of Marikana, I think there has been a commission uh, that stipulated and saw some, um, uh, I, don't, I don't know which word I can use, but there were some areas that we were supposed to improve on. Mm. And we have already started in terms of making sure that in particular, our public order policing uh, are well uh, trained uh, in terms of dealing with the unrest situation. Uh, there has been a lot uh, that occurred thereafter. Uh, you recall there was something that is still ongoing, the fuse must fall. We have uh, other areas, uh, I mean, students that are actually touching their own. <laughs> universities or classes um, and in all of these uh, incidents um, there were no injuries that were reported no one was said to have died and we continue to make sure that we enforce the law by trying to use extreme minimum force and where there is a need that we should use uh, 
uh, rubber bullets uh, is of the view of the fact that uh, the situation at that time is out of hand. But um, we can also mention the fact that we have seen that there is this animosity that is starting to creep up mm. uh, towards the police. Uh, it's something that we have already uh, spoken about. There was a summit that was um, um, the Minister of Health of Police. Uh, he called, uh, there was a summit uh, that talks uh, precisely to that, where we tried to find out as to why the public, you know, there is this uh, negative um, approach that they have towards the police. Uh, more especially because we are the, uh, you know, we are the ones who are supposed to be assisting the public. Uh, at the same time, we are seeing that the public on the hand, uh, they are actually, you know, becoming so negative, not only in words, but in action as well. So those are the things that we still trying to, uh, to iron out with uh, different stakeholders from uh, your NGOs, you know, and uh, and other uh, private institutions, uh, in, including internally as well. But in terms of trying in trying to 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 ascertain exactly what needs to be done in terms of making sure that we bring back uh, that. Uh, the confidence between ourselves yes. and confidence yeah. uh, between ourselves and and the public brigadier just uh, i mean for 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 most of us we just see the police dressed up in blue but uh, when they get home they don't put those uniforms on they are they are a normal uh, men and women who are just looking out for their families can you give us just an indication a picture paint a picture for us of the average police officer who is he who is who is she um and 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 what what are some of the fears and concerns that they have uh whenever they they, they come out to to work every day look i think the first thing that we have to put is the fact that police officers are human beings just like anybody else. These are not, you know, made-made, man-made machines. Uh, they are human beings. They wake up in the morning, go to work with the view to protect their lives, the properties of our people. Uh, they also have their own problems that they encounter, like anybody else. Um, we wake up, we don't know whether they will be coming back home or not. That is why we always make sure that when we go out onto the field, we remind our members of the criminals that are out there. We know that there are criminals that are out there just to go and hurt or kill our members. Today, unfortunately, this morning, around about quarter to two, we lost a member uh, who was shot by about five uh, criminals uh, on the L4 uh, towards Gauteng. These are criminals that were coming from Pumalang. Yeah. So how then do you, when your family is sleeping, and then you hear a knock on the door, and you see this chaplain, uh, then you know something is not right. Mm. Now, this this mm-hmm. is the kind of life that we live. You know, we have families that on a daily basis, they are always trying, checking whether you are fine. Or these are family members that they know that this, to be a police officer, is a calling because you want to make sure that you protect the inhabitants of this country. 
But if you have people who are actually negative and you see it on TV, you hear it on the radio, you read it in the papers, you will be persuaded, obviously, by your family to say maybe you need to look at other areas rather than to continue with the police officer. So we try by all means, you know, to remind them of their important role in the public. Uh, we cannot shy away from the fact as well that we also have rogue elements within the SAPS. Those are the ones that are actually punishing the good of, of the organization. Those are the ones that normally get attention from the public because if one officer is arrested for corruption, or one officer is arrested for an armed robbery. It just punishes and makes it as if all of us are in the same category. So it's only a small percentage of those that are actually making it very difficult for us to have or to try and get this trust back from the community. And that is why we try by all means to make sure that those who are involved in any criminal activity, they are taken out of the system. Angwani, I wanted to chat to you a little bit about that. I mean, I know that uh, the J- JPMD, so the, the roads officers, are slightly different to the police, but a form under the police in themselves as well. You, you know, you spoke about corruption. I've been stopped a number of times, um, you know, rightfully so, for, 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 you know, just general checks, which I'm absolutely fine with, even though it's a little bit of a irritation because it slows the traffic down, but I'm happy that, that we're doing these kind of checks on the roads. But most... I would have to say like seven out of ten times that I'm stopped, the the police has somehow tried to get some kind of bribe um, from me, uh, of which, I, you know, I don't stand for it personally. But but when you hear that kind of those kind of claims, how does that make you feel as as a brigadier in the system? Well, it, 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 it's very disturbing, in fact, very disturbing to hear that. We still have members who are doing those kind of. It doesn't matter whether you work uh, in the uh, traffic department or the police. It doesn't matter. The fact is that when somebody does that, they are doing it consciously. And they, some of them, they normally forget that the public, you know, they they pick up these things, they record them, they do whatever to make sure that they you know, expose this kind of uh, illegal activity that has So as a senior officer of the police, when you hear such things, you become not only frustrated, but you become very uh, embarrassed as well to say that, how then do I walk tall wearing this uniform? Whereas you have members where, or you work, you're working in town, wherever, people will throw in, you know, uh, sarcastic words, you know, Yourself to say, ah, we know these people, they are just the same. Even if you arrest me, if I give him cold drink, you will, you know, you will let me go. Mm. So we are the ones who are actually infesting this kind of uh, behavior. Uh, but like I said from the beginning, we have measures, we have people who are actually tasked to deal with this corruption issues. And there's a lot, a lot of police members that have already been arrested. Some of them are languishing in jail. Some have lost their jobs. Uh, some of them, you know, don't know what, where they are now. But it, it goes to the heart of that particular person to show them 
that if you engage yourself, even if it's a hundred rands or fifty rands, we take you through the processes. And there are orders, there are rules, regulations that govern this organization that tells you that if ever you put yourself in that situation, you must know that your job is gone. And that is what we are inculcating. Sadly, whilst we are doing the same thing, you will find that there are those who continue or we've got new ones that are joining. And those are the people that we are saying uh, with the new recruits that we are bringing in into the South African Police Service. These are some of the issues that we teach them and inculcate into their heads to say, you are here to serve the public. Mm. You are not here to become a nuisance to the organization. So if you do that, rather you pack your bags now before you even go through the process itself. So that is why we find it very prudent to encourage the public as well to say, don't sit and fold your arms. If you see something is wrong, tell us uh, so that we can be able to deal with this rogue element that are actually tarnishing our name. Uh, Brigadier, it, so we know what the public line or, or, or the public statement would be to a question. Is there a difference? Is there a different standard towards uh, the way that police uh, deal with black people uh, as opposed to white people? We know what you're likely to say, but when you see what's happening on campuses um, and so on, we saw the UFS uh, situation, and it seemed as though uh, police were very, very, very hard-handed uh, uh, against uh, the black students, and whereas uh, there didn't seem to be any repercussions for the white students, you increase, you hear, you know, repeatedly of just brutality against black people by the police, whereas uh, white people seem to just uh, get away with a lot. What's going on in reality? So I understand your your, your position as as the as the head of communications and what you have to say. But in reality, what is going on on the ground that that that, that results in us having this perception? Let, let, let's not forget that black people in this country are in a majority. Uh, so when you see these things, normally they help they happen in our black area. <laughs> Excuse me. So. Um, we, we, we do not take that notion. Our service it does not uh, discriminate uh, against any color. If you are a criminal or a suspect, whether you are black or white, green or yellow, we will arrest you. Now, the South African police service is also immune itself from any political connotation. Because once you do that, you make a big mistake. Because you will start having uh, people or members uh, who are now becoming uh, biased in their work. Now, we we need to make sure that South Africans will speak as one. So when we deal with the police service, we will not deal with white police officers or black police or black, uh, what you call it, suspect or white suspect. If you are a to us, you are a It doesn't matter. Even if you are coming from another country, we don't discriminate and say, no, this is is coming from the USA, so you must be treated differently. You will go through the same process just like anybody else. 
Brigadier, that is so. So so we get that. That is probably the the line yeah. that 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 uh, you follow and and what you communicate. But it seems to be a very different experience of the people. Uh, we've got uh, one of our listeners, Zandisi Lemseleni, who says police people are abusing their powers, especially to young and black individuals. For instance, I'm in court today. I was arrested for asking the cop whether he should not beat someone. Now I'm in court for defeating the ends of justice or obstructing him from doing his job. So it seems that black people just feel under siege. So I understand where you're coming from, but uh, it's that's not the experience of people on the ground. How, how do we, why is this happening and how, and how does it change? Look, I don't know why people have got that perception. You know, that is why I say, you know, there is a lot of um, different, you know, ways of dealing with uh, with problems at hand. Um, we have seen if you were available, if you were, if you had, if you were um, around during the time of uh, the Christmas fall uh, at the Union Building, uh, and you see the way our members were being pelted by stones, and you know that area uh, not uh, have any stones at all, the way. Our members were protecting this important, valuable uh, uh, arm of government. It is it is something that you need to ask yourself as to whether what the people or the perception of which is out there is it true? Because what we see is total different. What we experience is total different. Because people would say that it's the black thing or the white thing and all those kind, of, but they forget. Uh, that police are there to protect. But when you have students who are supposed to class and they are bringing in stones, they are bringing in petrol bombs, they are bringing all those kind of things, how then do you deal with that situation at that time? So there is no way you can be able to say, you know, things are different. It is the way the people conduct themselves. And when they start conducting themselves in that manner, we have to also treat it in a different manner to make sure that those who are doing such things are, are arrested and taken to court. The court will then decide whether these people should be taken further through the criminal justice system or the judges can be dropped. So those are the things that people don't talk about. Like, Angwani, I, w- I mean, just yeah. to just to speak to that, I was at the union buildings when the Fismas fall falls happened. Yeah. I was uh, shooting some some pictures from from both sides, and I, I can definitely empathise with the police. They're in a very difficult position, but at the same time, don't you think that they used force that didn't need to be used? I mean, these were students for for the large part, and yeah, there are going to be some rogue students as well. Let's be honest about that. But for the large part, it was pretty peaceful. I remember seeing the SRC uh, members from Vitz, UJ, Tux coming together, telling people not to do things, not to throw stones, um, walking towards the barricade. Of course, they were promised that Zuma would speak, so that's not your fault. He didn't come to his promise. But then there's going to be a bit of frustration. And uh, the the end result of that was at 3 o'clock, it seemed that police were like ready to go home. It was Friday. It was late. It was very hot. And uh, police were like, we've had enough and just started shooting tear gas. I mean, we had helicopter snipers shooting rubber bullets at, at students 
who have a right to be on the union buildings. Uh, I mean, didn't it seem excessive to you? No, no, I think sometimes, you know, as, as you put it, um, look, uh, I don't agree with, with, with what you're saying. I think, I mean, we've got different views. <clears throat> uh, if, 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 if I were to take you back, because I was there as well, mm-hmm. if I were to take you back, barricades were taken down, their gifts were torched, innocent people had their cars torched. And how then do you deal with that situation? I don't remember there were snipers in the helicopter. That's not how we operate. Uh, we used, we had to use that minimum force because I don't remember us even having to use our public order policing to go and uh, you know use maximum force and use our shields, you know, to to to, to take people out. We had to use tear gas, and that is what actually assisted us a lot in terms of making sure that those who were within uh, that environment and were giving us problems, we dealt with it. And no one, like I said, was injured during that, uh, 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 I mean, during that time. Most of our members were taken to hospital. And I think I can count about 10 members who were pelted by big stones, but nobody talks about it. Mm. People talk about issues that happened because they've got a reason. And we say people have got a right to protest. People have got the right to raise issues. But if we do things within the confines of the law, we won't be talking about this thing. But we are worried now. Hence the minister, the next acting national head, this week with the minister of uh, higher education, the minister of police, had to meet because things are getting out of hand. Mm. People are supposed to leave. Students must go to school. We have students that travel all the way from Limpopo and other areas looking for an education. But we go and damage the same um, Infra- what infrastructure, infrastructure mm. that uh, the, the, the students have to use. So then, how then do you put us in a situation and say, as police, we are uh, what heavy-handed? when we deal with these issues. We are not. And I think it's, it's, it's a bit fair to say that we have a duty as the police uh, to deal with whatever situation there is. And I think that is what we need to understand. Everybody needs to understand that, that we can sit down and fold our arms when things are getting out of hand. Uh, uh, Brigadier, uh, we've got uh, one of our listeners on WeChat uh uh, sending us a text here and saying, my question is, how can police officers attack their own children who are striking for fees that their parents, who some of them are police officers, can't afford? How does it feel like, uh, as a police officer, to go up against uh, uh, the same people who are fighting for your rights as well? So in communities, we see we see service delivery protests. Uh, people f- are fighting for the same services that are denied to the police and their families as well. Now you see students uh, who are also fighting for, for, for things that would benefit the police officers. How does it feel then when you have to open fire on them uh, using rubber bullets? You've got, you've got not only students, you've got people who are fighting for their families. You've got minors who are actually trying to have the conditions uh, improve within their within their um, environment as as a parent obviously the first thing that i would do i would say my child must not be in that area 
That's the first thing that we must do. I'm, I will think of because I believe that my my child is more important than any other thing. Mm. But unfortunately, in that situation, as the police, we have the right. And if we are going, not going to act, then we will be in trouble. Remember, you have those who are not participating. There are those who are participating as well. How then do we protect those who do not want to participate in such instances? Now, Brigadier, I mean, it's very easy to say to the children, don't go and do that. But I mean, then nothing would change. I mean, one could arguably say that the the fall of apartheid happened because of the, the student movement in 1976 and the surrounding movements on campuses. Uh, throughout the 80s. I mean, surely, if you're not being heard by government, and again, I'm saying this is not your fault, because you're not government, you are protecting the people of South Africa, and I suppose part of that is to protect government as well. Um, but how should these people react? I mean, how would a peaceful process look for you? A protest, apologies. Um, I always think that, you know, I always think that, you know, when you are having consent, there are leaders that are at the forefront. When we attained this democracy, we didn't think that the same old tactics that were used during the apartheid, apartheid era uh, would have, I mean, would manifest itself again. Look, ask, ask yourself one question. Are we going to be always be uh, labeled as violent as a South African, where if we have problems, we have to bend things, to, you know, when you're having a, 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 a community that is uh, up in arms, the first thing that they go for, they go for your pastor shop, they go to your malls, they ban innocent people's cars, and all those kind of things. Is that how we should deal with our problem? I don't think it's right. And I think it is time for people now to sit down, even the students, and so that is why we're saying they've got a right to protest. But they need to sit down and ask themselves, is the strategy that they are using, is it right? Let me ask and you I something quickly, Hangwani, uh, Brigadier. Yes. Um, what are the rules of, of engagement when it comes to protest for the police? What are they allowed to do? Maybe that's that, that's what we're missing here. Because I, I've been in a number of protests uh, throughout last year, um, unrests in, in townships as well as inner city, as well as the fees must fall. And I have certainly felt that my safety wasn't uh, wasn't upheld by the police. But maybe that's because I don't understand what the rules of engagement are. What can police do in these protests? Are they allowed to open fire using rubber bullets? Are they allowed to use live ammunition? What, 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 are, the, what are the rules? That is why we have a unit called public order policing. And that public order policing, uh, they've got tactics that they use to defuse whatever situation there is. Surely you can't use, um, uh, what do you call, um, live ammunition during protests. Uh, normally, w- what we do, we try and try and use and exercise minimum, minimum force, uh, using your water cannons, using your rubber bullets, um, using tear gas, and just merely, you know, trying to negotiate our way in terms of making sure that situations like this can be brought under control. We don't just go there and start shooting at people is wrong. We need to understand what is happening. However, police are always provoked. 
that is the one thing that you we, we cannot run away from. When you see a van, once you see a van of a police or a nyala, the first thing that comes to a person's mind is say, these are our enemies, why are they here? What about those things that we are doing? Is it necessary for you, is it right for you to go and dig up roads? Is it right for anybody to go and touch a, 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 a block of flats or a block of... Uh, <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about. Is it right? It's wrong. So those those are the things that we have to make sure that the people who are doing those kind of things, we have to, to make sure that they are arrested. However, in most instances as well, you could see that even those things are happening. We don't necessarily arrest people, but we make sure that we push them out, make them go and uh, try to make sure that this area is stabilized. And uh, that is why we always attribute to the fact that before we even do take any action, let's try and speak to the uh, organizers or the leaders of of whatever, what, of, of that uh, particular protest that is happening and understand uh, what, what is it that they are crying about. And if it needs us to intervene, bring in a mayor or bring in somebody to come and address those people, we normally do that because those are the things, that is how you deal with policing. You know, that is what you call a service. Police are not just only there to arrest and, you know, and all those kinds of things. We are giving a service, we go to people, we sit down with them so that they, we understand their problem. So if people then don't understand how then we, we, we operate, then it's another different story which needs us now to see that maybe we should have some kind of induction or a lesson. They will go to areas and teach people what is policy. Brigadier, as we wrap up, uh, what sort of recourse does uh, the ordinary man in the street have against uh, cases of police brutality, against instances where, mm. where, where you're, you're caught in a, in a corrupt uh, mm. a, a situation? And, and, and particularly in light of uh, what I've observed, where uh, even when you call those that are supposed to protect you against uh, mm. police over, overstepping the mark, they tend mm. to be known to the police, they tend to be friends, with them and then you can't you can't get anywhere where do you run to as a, as an ordinary person when the police are not uh, are not are not being of service as you say they should be um just recently a friend of mine uh told me an, a story where his phone was stolen it was an iphone so he was able to track it uh, and see where it was so he went to the police station and said uh can you help me go in and go and and retrieve my phone and he was told first of all uh you know mlungu and so on so uh you know we are not going to necessarily assist you but secondly you're on your own we are not going in there almost in fear that if you're going to go in there you're going in on your own what does a person like that do nah look we, we we always say that you know if there are such issues um people have got the right to complain uh, they can go to their station commanders. Uh, there are cluster commanders that are to assist them. Um, feel that uh, nothing is being done. We have other, um, what do you call it? Uh, or they can say that there are areas that they can go to. You've got your uh, your IP, your independent investigative directorate. Those are the areas where people might go. Not only. Uh, rely on on in 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 only sitting, you know, speaking to the police. There are places, even here in the hops, 
Uh, we have an anti-corruption unit that uh, you can come to. They can take down your details and they will investigate. So there are a lot of areas. The public protector is there uh, where they can also intervene if there's a necessity to do that. So so, so people, they must not only look at, uh, you know, be myopic, you know, and only look at one area. There are a lot of places that they can go. But I think it's something that we don't want to see. In fact, uh, it's something that is very much unnecessary. It's wrong. If a police member behaves in such a manner, uh, it's something that we are dealing with on a daily basis. That people, when they come to the police, say they need to be assisted. How then do you know if, if what your, your friend is saying, that he stole his phone was stolen, and you find that here we are dealing with a syndicate that is stealing, you know, iPhones, it would have been a big breakthrough. Uh, so it's just people who are just lazy to do their job. And I think it's very, very much uh, wrong. And uh, as, mem- as, as management, we will see uh, to it that uh, such kind of things they don't happen, I guess. Uh, Brigitte, just uh, concluding, we see the IPED report of last year. Um, and uh, worryingly, the results are, are, are interesting. But torture uh, seems to be up 86% from uh, 78 to 144 cases last year, and also deaths in police custody, 244 incidents reported. I mean, these statistics are quite quite alarming, 3,711 cases of wrongful assault. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, Look, I I can't speak on behalf of the IP. I don't know how they were able to to come to those statistics. Uh, there are they are an independent body, uh, and I think uh, those are the questions that you can be able to direct it to them. But while you don't know how they got to those statistics, those statistics are are, are valid. They come from, an, as you said, an external source. I put, yeah, looking, looking out after the police. You seeing these these statistics, doesn't it make I you feel worried? You it, haven't seen the IPED statistics? Look, the numbers are staggering, obviously. That's what I'm saying. But I can't speak on behalf of the IPED. I think it would be wrong for me to even comment on issues I don't know of. All right, Brigadier, that's where we'll leave it. Thank you so much. Um, we appreciate it. And uh, thank you for talking to us on this on this issue. Sure. Thanks. Bye. That was uh, Brigadier uh, Hangwani... Mulauzi. Yeah. He is uh, the spokesperson for the police commissioner. Also speaks on behalf of the Hawks as well. Interesting. We chat are not convinced. Mm, Zandi Silam Seleni saying Brigadier seems out of touch with what is happening within their force. Uh, well, you know, that's the problem with spokespeople, right? They, they're there to They're paint, out of touch. Yeah? They paint the, a, a pretty picture and so on. And meanwhile, we, we are faced with the harsh realities of what actually is happening on the ground. 93 cases of corruption were reported last year. Only 93, supposedly. Three systematic corruption incidents were, were reported. I don't even know what systematic means, but that, that's probably pretty worrying. <laughs> but, um, I think there's deaths in, uh, deaths in custody, 244, and torture, uh, while in custody. Uh, up to 145 incidents. That's 80%, 86% higher than it was the year before. That's a little scary for me. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I mean, Hanguani's obviously done this for a number of years. He knows what he's talking about. He also knows how to talk the game when it comes to protecting the police. I mean, it must be quite a difficult job, uh, generally. Yeah, it's um, better. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very 
sympathetic just to police in general. Um, obviously, the things that we see happening, Margana is inexcusable. Heads should roll on that and, and many other instances. But just generally, uh, the average guy who goes out there trying to make a difference uh, in, in society tries to do the right thing. Um, and puts his life on the line and, and one, you're not paid very well. Um, two, uh, you, you seem to have, as Rory said earlier, um, we, we, they're not, they're not supported. Their commanders are not leading, um, leading them from the front. Essentially, they're, they're leading from officers and so on and are not, are not putting themselves on the line. So it is a tough job, but, uh, I think we do need just greater accountability around. So what happens now? What, how are we going to fix this? And how do we make sure that the police are directing their efforts towards criminals and not the normal man on the street? Well, let's speak to Gareth Newham. He's uh, from the Institute of Security Studies. Gareth, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate your time. Uh, you've been doing a lot of uh, reporting and uh, researching on police brutality. Your thoughts uh, in, in the last couple of years, has, has police brutality, is it, uh, is it on the increase? Well, it's difficult to know from um, some of the special data because most instances of police brutality are not reported anywhere. But when you do look at the cases reported to the Independent Police Investigative Directorate, which is an independent body which has been set up to record uh, complaints of this nature, uh, we have seen a slight decrease over the last uh, three years, from about 2012-13 onwards. Um, so the official records suggest that there's been an overall decrease in the amount of police fatality as recorded by the staff. Uh, but worryingly, we've seen quite a big increase in um, complaints of torture. A torture usually takes place during investigation of a crime. Uh, it can happen at a police station in the cells or it can happen outside a police station, usually once a person's been arrested or detained by the police. The numbers are relatively small, but uh, that has gone up by almost 200%. But when you do look at the uh, amount of complaints that have been recorded against police, there, you know, last year it was 3,711 assault cases. Um, so it does show that there's quite a few cases happening every single day, and those cases are being reported. But as you know, they are a small drop in the ocean compared to what's actually happening. Gareth, uh, how are police empowered, though, to deal with criminals? So it, it always sounds worrying when you put yourself in that position and you're, and you're, and you're uh, an upstanding member of, of society. But when it's a criminal that's come into your house, pointed a gun at you, probably threatened your whole family, you, you want to make sure that uh, uh, first the facts, uh, that, the, that the police get the facts out and that he is prosecuted. Uh, what do you say to police officers that say, then how do you expect us to, to, to get the truth out of these people? How are they empowered? Do you know anything about that? Well, the police are trained in the law and they're trained to use their firearms. They're certainly not trained to torture people. Uh, the problem with torturing people is that you're using violence or threat of violence against somebody that will tell you anything that you want to hear mm. uh, or shift the blame to others just to get you to stop. So that information can't be used to prosecute people. And often when the police have tortured people to get information out of them, and we've seen some high-profile case, high cases uh, relating to cash and transit heist, other kinds of big crimes, that because they tortured those suspects, those suspects, even though they may have been guilty, are released because the evidence can't be used against them. And the police know this. Um, I think what you find is that when you're looking at the system overall, it's very important from the moment you recruit people, that you're only recruiting people who really want to be police officials, that they're there to help communities, that they understand the importance of the law, they're willing to familiarize and learn the law uh, and, and engage the training in a proper way. So that when they go into the, the streets of South Africa, 
they're not there to use their powers as their knowledge of the law, the knowledge of policing, uh, to harm people, to abuse people, to, to take money for themselves. But they're really there to uh, promote and support community safety. And they know that it's important to do that in such a way that they build trust and legitimacy. Because remember, the police are not there to police all 52 million people in South Africa. They must go over, which is literally a handful of people, actually. We're talking about a few hundred thousand people who are committing most of the crimes. They need to identify those people, get evidence against them, bring them to the courts. And they can only do that if they behave in such a way that they feel confident in themselves. And that is everything from the way that they do their policing, the way they engage with people on the street, whether they speak to people in a respectful manner, respect their dignity. Um, and then they will find that people will give them the information they need. But unfortunately, those police officials who don't do that, who use their police powers uh, irregularly for, for personal gain, when corruption occurs, they undermine the police dramatically. So that we see that almost 30 to 40 percent of South African adults say they don't trust the police, or they're scared of the police. That makes good, honest, hardworking man or woman on the street as a police official, their job far more difficult and more dangerous because they're more likely to be attacked, people are more likely to use violence against them, and the communities won't help them. Uh, just to, to remind everyone, we're, we're speaking about are the police public enemy number one? We're speaking to Gareth Newman from the Institute of Security Studies. Gareth, I mean, you saw the, obviously, Marikana was a, a low point in South Africa, but also in, in policing history in general. How has the police psyche, I mean, you've been researching this a lot, has, has it changed after that moment? Have police become a little bit more gun shy? Are they are they more more defensive now? Uh, what, what are your views on that? Uh, I don't think that they really become um, more gun shy. I mean, that is a particular operation uh, that was very poorly planned. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, the most senior com- uh, commanders in charge of the operation, both the uh, now suspended National Commissioner at the FN and then the provincial head, uh, Commissioner Bombo, neither of them are police officials with any proper policing experience, and they were actually in charge there. So they couldn't put a public plan together. Um, they made a decision to go in and use violence against striking mine workers to break the strike the day before Marikana happened, which is what the finding of the Marikana Commission was. And then they lied to cover it up. So they completely undermined the police. They really brought the police into this dispute. And their failing contributed quite significantly to the unjustifiable shooting of 112 people during which 34 people died. Mm. So that was a particular low point in South Africa. But for the majority of the 150-odd thousand policemen and women who are on the streets today from police stations, um, I don't think it made much of a difference to them. I don't think they changed their patterns or behaviors much. Uh, we didn't see a dramatic decrease, for example, in the numbers of police death or the least uh, usable force of violence against people um, after that necessarily, uh, because I think most uh, professional police officials, those who, who know what they're doing, understand quite clearly when they're allowed to use their firearms. They know very well that the law allows them to use their firearms to protect themselves. Um, if they reasonably believe that their lives are in danger or somebody's about to kill somebody else, they may use their firearms to, to defend themselves. And even the law has been changed to make it more easy for them to use the firearms to effect arrest. So they have reasonable belief that a person has committed a serious violent crime uh, and is getting away and they can't catch that person now or later. They can still use their weapons to, 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 to shoot at that person to, to arrest them. Um, so, you know, those that are doing their jobs properly, I think Marikana wouldn't have affected them. Although I think it did affect the population's perception of the police, um, which is why it's so important that steps are taken against those senior commanders 
to uh, responsible for what happened in America. Gareth, it's very easy for us to point fingers at, at the police, um, but uh, as the public, I guess we we also have a role to play. We had uh, uh, the 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 police spokesperson, uh, the commissioner spokesperson, here earlier, who effectively said police are as aggressive as 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 you make them. Essentially, um, they they generally respond and are provoked. Um, there's a general attitude where people are starting to say "f the police." Uh, what's your response to that? Is that a justified position for South Africans who've seen Marigana and 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 who are increasingly seeing how police seem to be tools in the hands of politicians? Is is an is "f the police" the right position for South Africans to to have? Oh well, I certainly don't think so because at the end of the day, the police are the only institution or agency set up by the constitution by the government that is allowed to use violence to to affect arrest and to solve crime uh, and to investigate crime. So we, if we, are, as, a, as a society, decide that we are going to turn against the police, then who are we going to turn to? We will have increased levels of vigilantism. Uh, innocent people will get killed. I think what needs to happen, and the police need to be very clear about this, is that changing society's attitudes towards them doesn't start with changing uh, with a media campaign. It's not saying that the, the, the that it's all in the hands of society. Um, and I also take, uh, find it concerning as police officials saying, well, you provoke that. Police officials should be professional. They are trained, they are paid to do a job, and they shouldn't be provoked. They know that the law says that they may use minimal and proportional force in order to affect arrest when it's necessary. However, far too often police officials do not use minimum or proportional uh, force. You know, if you, if you swear the police official, that does not give a, a police official the right use force against you or to do anything to you, in fact. A trained professional will keep their calm, will keep their cool, will try and talk to you in a reasonable way uh, and ensure that you understand what they're doing. And too often what we find is that so many arrests are actually illegal because the police don't tell people why they're being arrested. They too quickly resort to force. Um, and that has actually led to some uh, damaging situations, both not only the public trust of the police, but also the fact that the amount of money the police are paying out uh, because of civil claims has jumped dramatically. In the last uh, three or four years, we've seen an increase of about 140% jump in the amount of money being paid out. So well over 250 million rand a year being paid out to people because wow. they do not follow the law. Now, if the police want the population to respect and work with them, they must always act uh, with the highest level of conduct. They must act according to their codes of conduct and their codes of ethics, which they've all signed, they all know they'll be trained. Uh, and then they will see a very big difference in attitudes of people. And that means that the management must put in place systems for people to report bad behavior so that when police officials, when there's evidence of not using their powers correctly, when they're being involved in misconduct, they must be held accountable. And that's not happening sufficiently. So too many police officials are getting away with it. They keep on then acting badly. And this creates a massively negative attitude towards the police. On the other hand, those police officials, they are doing really good work, and there are many of them, who do put their lives on line, who are out there to try and make community safer. They must be the ones that we recognize, we support, reward, and, and they should be the ones that get to the top of the organization. But as you pointed out, because of political reasons, too often people are not police officials, people who are very suspects facing serious charges and allegations, seemingly, and are far to be dishonest by the court even, seemingly always find themselves 
amongst some of the most senior police officials, and that is one of the biggest changes that needs to take in South Africa. Gareth, you've been you've been looking at the situation for for a long time now. Um, I, I know you just spoke about individual policemen doing great work. Has there been anywhere in the country, a community, a region, a province, where you think we're getting policing right, where police officers are trusted by their community, and uh, how are they getting it right? What are they doing uh, if there are that you know of? Well, I think uh, you know that also changes from pa- uh, from place to place and over time. For example, you'll find that. Um, a particular police station, maybe a station commander who uh, really is professional, uh, is a role model for the other police officials in that in that station, that precinct. They take an interest in the community. They make sure that the community forums are operational, working well. They go and have outreach campaigns with various groups in those communities. And you see examples of that. Um, where, and in those situations, then you find that the community can have quite a good relationship with the police. But I think in some of the more difficult communities, particularly what we've seen, um, is that the way that these resources have been distributed has been largely irrational. Uh, and the Kyle Leach Commission of Inquiry that concluded last year in Western Cape highlighted that. You know, for example, um, there might be one police official for 1,500 residents of Kyalicha, uh, which is one of the highest violent crime rates, um, but a few kilometers away, um, there will be one police official for about 50 residents in Camps Bay, which is a very low level of violent crime. Mm. So the police themselves acknowledge that they don't allocate resources properly. And when they don't do that, that means that those station commanders in places like Kailicha, and some of the more dangerous, difficult communities, um, they really don't have the resources they need to be able to go out and provide proper services, which then immediately places the uh, community against them because they don't feel like they're getting the services they, they need. So it's very difficult to simply just blame uh, individual station commissioners. But we do find that really station commissioners and this senior management team really uh, do their best to, to work with the community that you can get very good examples of the police working well and being able to solve crimes and their communities much safer than they would otherwise be. Gareth, uh, as we wrap up, we, we so initially it was the problem was the militarization of the police. Um, increasingly, it seems it's the politicization of the police that's creating problems. You're seeing... Uh, the Hawks are now investigating uh, the Minister of Finance, uh, uh, allegedly uh, uh, Praveen Gordon. Uh, what exactly is going on there? And uh, should we be worried as South Africans? Well, I think we, we should be worried when, for example, a court looks into the evidence presented before by what was then the acting head of the Hawks and found that the acting head of the Hawks was uh, dishonest as a person of no integrity and question the honor. And then after that, despite that ruling by a judge, despite that based on a very hard consideration of evidence, that person is an appointed into permanency to head the Hawks, mm. which fundamentally undermines the entire credibility of that organization. Now, we know many Hawks, they work very well. Some of them are really excellent, top-notch investigators. Their moral also gets affected, and they can't trust and they do not respect their own commanders because they've been appointed for political reasons. And then, of course, you see the Hawks then uh, starting to get involved in political cases, such as the Gordon issue, uh, or not investigating very powerful and connected people, and those doctors are not going anywhere. And that fundamentally undermines public trust in the police. So it's not a, it's not a difficult thing to solve. If we had uh, people at the top of the, of the president, the presidency made in terms of most of these kinds of decisions about who becomes the police chief, and who becomes the head of the NPA, and that, if they are honest, they'll have nothing to fear about putting the most professional, most honest men and women at the top of those organizations. But unfortunately, 
we have to question their motives when they start putting people in charge. Do they know to be dishonest because before they appointed them, they were really found to be dishonest. And that's happened also with NCA. But mm. I think we're starting to see that because uh, they're separated, the Hawks are more involved in corruption investigation. There's a lot of political interference there, pointing very low-caliber people to some of the positions. Despite very good people being in the Hawks, they could take those positions on. But we've seen a big move to try and fix the South African Police Service through restructuring. And actually, the National Development Plan, chapter 12 of that plan, talks about the issue of militarization and politicization. It says the best way to orientate the police moving forward is to make sure that only the most experienced professional men and women, who there's no question about the integrity, are appointed to head that organization, um, and that they must take the organization forward so that it becomes a professional organization, not a militarized one, not a politicized one. Gareth, uh, and there are very models of doing that. Thank you so much. We have to wrap it up there as we as we uh, approach 11 a.m. Thank you so much, Gareth, uh, from the Institute for Security Studies for joining us. Uh, we look forward to having you again soon. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Gareth Newman from the Institute of Security Studies. Uh, we have had two hours of our police public enemy number one. Rory, very quickly, thoughts? Are there? No, man, I think there are a lot of very good people, but we need to wrestle the police uh, service or the police force out of the hands of rogue elements, uh, especially right at the top. Uh, as someone said, the fish rots from the head, and uh, we need to just uh, we need to make sure that uh, we, we fix this head. Right, thank you so much to all our what guests. What do you think? I, I don't know. I, I still think I'm scared of the police. You've been shot by them. So I, I'm scared of the police. I'm not going to lie. I am very, very afraid of the police. They would not be my first port of call. If I had so, who's your first port of call? I don't know. You see, this is the problem. You know, in Kasi, we've got Mapocha, Matama. Those guys were hectic. You forget <laughs> the police. You go to the Mapocha, things get sorted out. <laughs> Have yourself a lovely day. Uh, it's Wednesday. Uh, it's been Frankly Speaking. You can catch the podcast if you missed any of this. Oh, the police, public enemy number one. Just go to cliffcentral.com forward slash Frankly Speaking. And let's thank everybody that helped us prepare the show. Uh, Iris, Trakuva. Uh, Lerato and uh, Molebazzi Lerato Molebazzi um, and of course uh, D.W. Duncan nice one thank you so much and thank you to our guests Greg Nicholson uh, Rory Stain Wayne Minar uh, Gareth Newman and Hangwani Muloutsi you forgot Kelobuchile yes uh, and thanks uh, to Kelobuchile you just like that you just like that you just forget people all the time hey man let's get out of here man. ciao this is cliffcentral.com